right. Special day today. Glad you could all make it as we have our ordination Sunday for Micah. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's pray together. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we do rejoice. We rejoice greatly in what you've done and what you're doing in and through the ministry at Foothill Bible Church over these past 25 years. It's hard to believe it's been 25 years since uh, Foothill Bible Church was formed. We're grateful and thankful for your grace and mercy upon this body. Just how you've provided, Father, spiritual nourishment and the preaching of your word, how you've provided faithful workers for the various ministries over the years, how you provided faithful and joyful giving through your people, and in doing so, how you've abundantly met our material needs for this church and body, as well as for the missionary families that we support and for the work of the church planting that we've done, and so much more. Father, I especially want to call out and thank you for how you've provided providentially and specifically brought men of faith to Foothill throughout the years. By grace, you provided resources to support them, to nurture them, to develop them, and then to deploy these faithful men to preach and teach your word and minister to your people, cutting it straight all throughout these years. There are indeed some that have served, some that are going to serve, and some that are preparing even now to be sent. We've been blessed to see them grow in their love for you, in their service to you, and only for the goal of bringing you glory, not themselves. We're indeed thankful, and we've been the beneficiaries of what you've done and are doing in their lives. Our passionate concern, Lord, is that you will use them way beyond their highest expectation. We know that you are able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. And today we continue in being blessed by another of these faithful men, that being our own Micah Lug, as we affirm him in his ordination during this service. On behalf of all these men, we're thankful for all their spouses, the parents, grandparents, their children, their loved ones, their friends, their teachers, their mentors, and specifically those godly men and women who have built into their lives and prepared them uniquely for the occasion to which you've called them. Father, we pray that you will keep them, each one, clean from the midst of a corrupt generation. May they shine their lights in the midst of a darkened world. We pray that you will use them with increasing effectiveness for your glory. Father, your word tells us that when you call us to do anything, you will always provide the resources needed. And may they draw deeply from the rich well of grace. We're excited to think of how desperately they are needed, for the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Few men who are committed to the gospel of grace of God, the exposition of the word of God, and the faithful and loving service in the will of God. Keep them on their knees, leaning on the power of prayer, for you are an awesome God, our sovereign God, and we love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we look forward to what you have in store for us the next 25 years or until you come. And we give you praise and honor and glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Indeed, it is good to be here to sing reminders of the God we worship corporately together and and we continue in our worship, not only in singing corporately, but in giving together corporately. So join with me as I lead us in a word of prayer. Our God in heaven, our, our heavenly Father, we're thankful that we have the privilege to gather in the, under the name of Christ because we find our refuge 
as we have sung in Christ alone and is by his grace poured upon us. And so we, we have thanksgiving in our hearts. We're filled with gladness because we have been assured through your word that you have saved us because of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And you have given us your spirit as a guarantee. And thank you for your pouring forth so much blessing. And not only blessings in, in spiritual means, but you also in material means as well. And so what we give is just really a portion of what you have bountifully given to us. The fact that we have not only food and clothing and shelter, but even much more. And what we give now is out of gladness in our hearts. And we ask that these gifts would serve to um, extend your kingdom, not only here, but beyond. We think of just of uh, Leif and Kathy as they are now uh, this week in training in their final preparation to be sent out from amongst us. And we thank you for just uh, giving them uh, the call and preparing them in the means that you have provided for them. We're looking forward to sending a short-term team next month. And, and again, just a way you've impressed upon your people to give beyond. Uh, and we just give you the thanks that you give us these abilities. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Foothill Bible Church. We indeed are glad that you are here, not only because you're away from the hot sun, but more importantly, to come and corporately worship our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. And if this is your very first time, we certainly want to greet you and welcome you. Glad that you are here to fellowship with us. And we just trust that this would be a place that you would find a refuge, a place to come to be encouraged, to uphold the name of Christ, to be built up. And so we're glad that if this is your first time, we certainly want to extend a welcome. And uh, we have uh, a lunch to extend to you by extending the, we have a courtyard grill this afternoon, and uh, we want to extend that invitation. It's a lunch that we provide. It's going to be down in the gym. And uh, for those of you who are already familiar with the for, uh, Courtyard Grill, it's been a wonderful success of just having extended time of fellowship. But we're moving it down to the gym just for obvious reasons, maybe just because there's AC and uh, instead of uh, meeting outdoors. But uh, for those of you who are new, we certainly want to welcome you to that and uh, come as our, as our guests. I have a few other announcements, and I kind of went out of order there, but I do want to say congratulations to Corey and Ruthie Braun as they welcome their second son, uh, <clears throat> Reading Stacks, and the details are there. But we're, I know they're here. I saw uh, Ruthie with baby somewhere, but uh, I trust that you'll welcome and greet them as well. We're glad uh, a welcome addition to the body here. I did want to give you an update, as I kind of alluded to in prayer, of a short-term team we are sending, Lord willing, next month. We've been raising funds, and so far we've raised $18,398. And uh, another church, Cornerstone Fellowship Bible Church, just informed me that they want to send an additional $5,000 to support this endeavor. And so we're excited. We're about 47%. But we appreciate just as you are giving above and beyond your regular giving to support this endeavor, to support Promise Fund. One item to just note, we've just been alerted that there is an epidemic of polio that just went out. So those uh, just pray for protection for the uh, short-term team members at, uh, and for Promise and those over there in, in Papua New Guinea that uh, you, you would continue to uphold them in your prayers. We are ex- especially excited for this morning, and uh, Bernie's going to come up and as we have this uh, special ordination service. Well, most of us here this morning have either known Micah Lug for 10 years uh, or since first coming to Foothill Bible Church. Audrey has known him a few years longer than that, and his mom and dad, who are here this morning, a little longer than that, say 32 years. Uh, when the elders were searching for a director of student ministries some 10 years ago, we noted that candidate Micah met all of our must-have requirements, but he came up a little short on a couple of our would-like-to-have requirements. Uh, one of those was we were hoping for a married man. 
and Micah was still single. But we stepped out in faith and hired Micah, and God was faithful to provide. Uh, God blessed Micah with Audrey. He also blessed the church with Audrey, and we are thankful for that. One of our other would-like-to-have requirements was that Micah would have some experience that he would gain from being a father, and he wasn't quite there yet, but again, God blessed both the Lug family and the church family with uh, three beautiful daughters, with uh, Evelyn, Nora, and Haven. So since joining the FBC staff in 2008, Micah has served in numerous capacities, too many to mention here this morning, but it has included leading the 128 junior high and high school group, uh, leading the college crossroads ministry, leading adult ministries, the training hour. Uh, he's had responsibility for the worship teams, for media and communication, for the FBC website and the FBC hub. In addition to teaching and substitute preaching, he has also served on the finance committee and has, over the course of these 10 years, been the go-to person when someone had a technology challenge. So this morning, the elders are going to ordain Micah to the gospel ministry. What exactly, what exactly does that mean? Ordination is a public and formal recognition of a man's call and competency for a Bible teaching ministry and or a church planting ministry. This will be a lifetime seal of approval as long as Micah continues to manifest the qualifications and would only be withdrawn for a specific reason. Up until now, Micah has requested and received on an annual basis a licensure to the gospel ministry, and that has authorized him to perform the ecclesiastical duties and functions of the church prior to his lifetime ordination. Now, the elders have had the opportunity to observe Micah up close and personal for 10 years. That time has included working side-by-side side with Micah, uh, rejoicing, grieving, praying, and sharing meals together, plus numerous elder meetings and retreats, both with and without wives present. As part of our regular elder review process, each of the elders and pastoral staff develop a ministry plan with a five-year look-ahead. The plan is reviewed by the other elders, uh, modified, affirmed, and then it's periodically reviewed for progress and update. Micah has done this for the past 10 years, and his plans have included completing seminary, becoming an elder, advancing from director to associate pastor in ordination. Well, Micah met that first goal, graduating from the Master's Seminary in 2013 with a Master of Divinity degree. He became an elder and associate pastor of FBC earlier this year when he was affirmed by an overwhelming majority of the membership. He then pursued ordination studying diligently for his ordination exam for many weeks with coaching from John Bonin. Meanwhile, the elders obtained a commitment from three local pastors to participate in a public ordination council. More than 100 of us were present a week ago yesterday when Micah shared his conversion story and his call to ministry. Micah's knowledge of the scriptures and wisdom in their application was then examined in three areas. The English Bible by Jeremy Bryan of Summit Bible Church, Systematic Theology and Church History by Mike Burry of Cornerstone Fellowship Bible Church, and Practical Theology by John Pleasnick of Faith Bible Church. 
In addition, Micah fielded questions from the FBC elders and from Leif Jensen. The recommendation of the examining council was unanimous that we proceed with ordination. And that is what we are about this morning. We look forward to Micah serving his Lord and Savior for many fruitful years. Micah's dad, Tim Lug, will read 1 Timothy chapter 4. The elders will then lay their hands on Micah and I will pray. Now, why do we lay our hands on Micah? The laying on of hands does not confer any special powers or abilities upon Micah, but it is a graphic illustration of the elders commissioning Micah to the gospel ministry. It is a public confirmation of God's work in Micah's life. The human touch is also a strong endorsement to Micah and affirmation of continuing elder support as he follows God's call in his life. Micah, or Tim rather, would you come and read from us, uh, for us from the scriptures? As Bernie said, I'll be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, as we read these words of God as written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 16. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid, forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is this we labor in strife, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself to uh, an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on hands of the presbytery. Take hand, uh, pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Father, it is indeed a privilege and a blessing to ordain Micah, a fellow bondservant of Christ, to the gospel ministry this morning. 
On this joyous occasion, we give praise to your name. Thank you for calling Micah into your family, saving him from your wrath and adopting him as your child. Thank you for calling him to the gospel ministry and preparing him for this ordination and his time ahead serving you. May he seek to always follow your will as led by the indwelling Holy Spirit. We pray for your protection against the attacks from Satan and from this world we live in, a world which is becoming increasingly hostile to Christians. O oh, Father, protect Micah's marriage and his family. May he have eyes only for the wife you have given him. Might he love Audrey with a sacrificial love as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Might Audrey support him with loving encouragement and wise counsel. Might she respect him at all times. Let their marriage be a beautiful picture of Christ and his bride, the church. Keep him free from the love of money. Cause him to be content with what you give him. Might he be always grateful and thankful for the blessings which you pour out upon him. Might he remember your words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Grant him wisdom in balancing the many demands of family and ministry. Multiply the hours in his day. Protect him from discouragement, procrastination, or even laziness, keeping his hope fixed on you, the living God. Might he discipline himself for the purpose of godliness. Give him enthusiasm and energy for the work. Let him serve with joy, knowing that it is Christ whom he serves. Fill him with a love for your word, even a thirst that he would read it, study it, memorize it, meditate upon it, preach it, and live it. Father, in his speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, let him show himself an example of those who believe. Cause him to play, pay close attention to himself and to his teaching persevering and accurately handling the word of truth, able both to exhort and sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. We pray that Micah will declare your gospel message with strength and courage, yet also with humility. May all the time spent in his education, study, preparation, and his life experiences be applied to the ministry not for his glory, but for your glory. You are opposed to the proud, but give grace to the humble. So we ask that you replace any pride that he may cling to with humility. Keep him close to you through prayer and the scriptures. Might he faithfully preach your word, winning the lost, equipping the saints, making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. Might he bring salt and light to a rebellious world. Remind Micah that he will give an account as one who keeps watch over the souls of men. Oh, Father, we know that the work is hard, but we also know that he does not labor alone. May the elders and our church family continue to uphold him in prayer as you grant him strength, courage, and stamina, to persevere to the end, might he one day be able to say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Let him in your timing hear those precious words that we all long to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. We pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Stay here for a moment.
stay up here for a moment. Yeah. We have here a uh, certificate of ordination. This is just to remember this day. It is signed by each of the men who participated in the ordination council. May God bless you, my brother. Well, Micah, this is a big day, isn't it? Indeed. Indeed. We have known you, we have observed you, your life and your doctrine for 10 years. And so it is with great enthusiasm that we ordain you now to the gospel ministry. As Bernie explained, a lifetime setting apart a seal of God's call upon your life, your competency with regard to the word of God. To the Word of God. And so I thought it'd be appropriate this morning to, um, to speak to you and remind you of your holy calling. I'm not going to say anything this morning that you haven't heard me say from this pulpit many times and certainly in our private times together, but just by way of reminder, I'd like to do that. I'm not going to spend the whole time looking at you because uh, I'll get a crink in my neck. If you'd have sat over here, I could have done that. So I will talk this way, but I am talking to you, even if I'm not looking at you. You know, where would you go if you were looking to put together a job description for pastoral ministry? There are many passages, to be sure, that one could choose, but the passage that has been read to us this morning from 1 Timothy chapter 4, and in particular verses 6 to 16, I think is an ideal passage to lay out the job description of a pastor in the gospel ministry. And so I want to look at that passage this morning, and and we don't have a lot of time, so it'll be a brief, uh, somewhat overview of that passage. But in the process of looking at verses 6 to 16, what I want to do is to sum up the three imperatives that are found there within that passage, three commands with regard to a job description for a, for a minister of the gospel. And those three imperatives or three commands are as follows. Teach well, study hard, and live right. Teach well, study hard, live right. So let's just take a look at that and see how Paul makes this point to his his son in the faith, Timothy, who is there ministering in the church at Ephesus. The command to teach well that Paul speaks of here in verses 6 to 16 has several component parts to it, and I'll just point out several of them here this morning under this, this command to teach well, Micah. The first is in verse 6, and it is simply this, point out false doctrine to the brethren. Point out False doctrine to the brethren. That's part of what it means to teach well. And notice what Paul says, verse 6, in pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. In pointing out these things, what things? The things that Paul has just elaborated in verses 1 through 5 which could be summarized under the heresy of asceticism. The idea that somehow the the rigorous treatment of the body will advance one's spiritual standing before God. Paul says in pointing out these things, the fallacy of these things, that you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. And the idea here, Micah, is that a a pastor should provide a a calm and well-reasoned explanation of biblical truth. And in doing so, he should be, have an eye to refuting error in the process. There is a lot of spiritual error out there, and particularly in the day of the internet, where all kinds of abominable heresies get broadcast around. Paul writes to, Tim, or to Titus over in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9, where he speaks to him there about his mission to to ordain elders, to appoint elders throughout the island of Crete. And he says there in in the definition of what qualifies a man to be an elder, 
He says an overseer or an elder must be able to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. So the teaching ministry to teach well includes a refutation of the false doctrines that swirl in the days of Timothy and Titus and swirl in our own day as well. In fact, Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun and that's the truth of it. There are no new heresies, there are merely the old heresies that have been given a new paint job. But it is your responsibility as you teach well to point out the false doctrine to the brethren. Beyond that, secondly, verse 11, it's to relentlessly teach the truth. Paul says, prescribe and teach these things. And that word there, prescribed, it is a present active and imperative, and it, and it carries the idea with it of constancy or repeated action. It's not a one-time event to, to teach the truth. It's, a, it's an ongoing, a relentless teaching of the truth. So it's to, it's to refute the false, and it's to present the truth. And, and Paul is telling Timothy here, he, in fact, he's commanding him to keep on teaching the truth. Don't give up on it. Once is not enough. The fact that you said it once is not sufficient. And in, in raising children, you know that to be very true, right? If telling were teaching, uh, everyone would be an expert at parenting. But there is this idea of repetitiveness, of, of a relentlessness in the teaching of the truth. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1, he says to write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. So that idea of repetitiveness or relentlessness. I'm reminded of, of the bomber pilots in World War II who carried a payload of, of ordnance in the B-17 and they would have to fly over their targets and they would have to hold level altitude and airspeed and so forth in order for the Norton bombsite to be effective so they could drop their payload. All the while, anti-aircraft fire is exploding all around them and it would be enough to unnerve anyone. But they had to stay on target. They had to concentrate. They had to ignore the anti-aircraft fire, the, 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 the distractions all around them that would seek to, to divert them off the path and they had to be relentless in running their mission, and, and you need to be relentless. You need to be relentless in the teaching of the truth. Third here, under the, this grand imperative of to teach well, is to rely exclusively on the Scriptures. To rely exclusively on the Scriptures. Verse 13. Until I come, Paul says, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. There is always a temptation in the pulpit to, to express our own opinions, our own ideas, our own thoughts on things, but, but our thoughts, our thinkings, our opinions have no power. They, they are merely, no, no matter how wise or godly they might be, they are, they are still the, the musings of the human mind. The power lies in the Word of God. It is in the Word of God. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to both save and to sanctify the people of God. And so, therefore, you must rely exclusively upon the Scriptures. The power is there. It's to read the Word of God to God's people. It is to explain the Word of God to God's people. It is to apply the Word of God to God's people. That's why you've been trained in expository preaching, a lot of energy and effort and resource has been invested in you so that you might be a, a passionate and competent expositor of the Word of God. You have been given much, my friend, and so you have much to give. Don't get pulled off into, into other areas. Keep your nose focused in the Word of God and preach the Word of God, relying exclusively on the Scriptures to accomplish God's work, both in your own life and in the life of God's people. So, he says, you are to teach well. You are to teach well. The first requirement of a pastor's job description, you are a teacher of the Word of God first and foremost. Beyond that... Paul says to Timothy, you are to study hard. 
You are to study hard, and, and it, it's presupposed in the fact that you are to teach well. One cannot teach well who has not studied hard. To teach the Word of God, one, one draws fresh water from a well. And if you do not dig your well deep, you will run out of fresh water pretty quick. And so you'll always need to be digging that well deeper. To go about the effort of, of, of getting down in there and, and, and mucking it out, as it were, so that you increase the volume of life-giving water that you can share with the people of God. And that comes by, by keeping your fanny in the chair and studying the Word of God. So study hard. And, and notice how Paul develops this in verse 6 again where he says, first, nourish yourself on sound doctrine. All right, in pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. There's a, a sense in which you are studying first and foremost for your own growth, for your own advancement in godliness, so that, derivatively, you have something to share with the people of God. So nourish yourself on sound doctrine. If I could say it another way to you, Mike, it would be this. Study. 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 And study. There is no other way. There is no other way. Now, I know you can go online and you can find a sermon in, you know, already filled out for you and so forth, but you're a man of integrity and I know you wouldn't do that. So study, study, study. You have worked hard over these last three months in preparation for your ordination exam. I've observed it from a distance. We've spoken of it. I know from my own personal experience what is involved in the process. It has been grueling. You have studied very, very hard in that process. And now that it's over, there is a tendency, I think, to sort of want to ease up, to, to relax, to kick back a little bit. Now, there's a place and a, and a point to have a little bit of a relaxation, but what I want to really encourage you in this is to not lose the advance that you have achieved through this self-discipline. In other words, uh, don't give up on serious study. There is a plethora of books for you to read. You know that. We've talked about that. The more you study, the more you realize how little you really do know. And that's the truth of it for all of us. And so there's a big stack of books, either literally or figuratively, that you want to pursue, that have been recommended to you, that you, that you know you need to, to put your nose into. And so what I'm saying to you here is, do it. Do it. There'll be no better time. There'll be no better time. Keep, keep it going. Keep the disciplines flowing. You don't have to spend as many hours as you have spent in your ordination prep on top of all your other responsibilities. But don't don't kick back. Don't lose the progress you've made. If I can say it this way to you, Micah, a, a theology text should be your constant companion. Put it on the table next to your chair so that it sits there as a vivid reminder to you, I need to read. I need to read this. And then pursue it. Bite-sized chunks, but don't give up. Have you read The Greatness of the Kingdom yet? You have. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Have you read it twice? <laughs> okay, then your work is cut out for you. Your work is cut out for you. Beyond that, Paul says, master the text and let the text master you. Verses 7 and 8. Have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself with the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Master the text and let the text master you. 
Paul says, discipline yourself for the, for the purpose of godliness. And, and he uses terminology here from the gymnasium in, in, in speaking to Timothy this way. And, and the idea is of a, of a sacrifice and of, and of a grueling kind of training. One cannot prepare for a 5K by taking occasional strolls around the block. If one wants to enter a race and be serious about entering the race, one must train. And one must train hard and with regularity. A long-term lifetime of ministry to the people of God requires the discipline. A discipline that, that the, the most ardent gym rat would be envious of. You have to take your own sanctification seriously. You have to take it seriously. Master the text, but let the text master you. Paul goes on and he says, we labor and we strive, right? Verse 10, for it is for this, we labor and strive. Kapiao kai agonizomai. The idea here is, is weariness to the point of exhaustion. In other words... You're going to be tired in the task before you. You're going to be tired. I remember telling my children as they were growing up, the world is run by tired men. The world is run by tired men. Think on that. The Lord will give you wisdom. But practically speaking, you can't go home at the end of the week until you have mastered the text, and the text has mastered you. Until you have prepared to come before the people of God and to open the word of God and to make plain its meaning to the people of God. You heard this in seminary, and it's so very, very true. There's no such thing as a Monday morning sermon. There's no such thing as a Monday morning sermon. So, so do your dear wife and lovely daughters a great loving service, and that is get going early in the week. Do the hard work early in the week. Get it done, and don't let it drag. Don't let it hang over you. Don't let it consume your week, but be consumed by it early on. Along that line, resist the shortcuts. Verse 15, take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Take pains with these things. In other words, the, the, the life to which God has called you is not a life of leisure. It's not a life for the lazy. It's not a life for the faint of heart. There are lazy men who hide out in the ministry. And they're ashamed. They're ashamed to Christ and they're ashamed to themselves. There is time for sure for, for rest and refreshment. And make sure you get that. But, but if the life of leisure is what you're after, you are in the wrong occupation, my friend. You are in the wrong occupation. Resist the shortcuts. Resist the shortcuts. Take pain with these things. Teach well. Paul says. Study hard, Paul says. And then third and finally this morning, live right. Live right. Teach well, study hard, live right. In other words, practice what you preach. Practice what you preach. Verse 12, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, Love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example of those who believe. Verse 16, pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Notice in verse 12, Paul says, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, 
but rather, and then he, he lists these aspects of a man's public life, his speech, his conduct, the way he loves his wife and his children and other people, his faith in the face of adversity, the purity of his heart and his life. Show yourself an example. In other words, your life is on display here. And it, and it can be observed, and it will be observed, and it must be observed. Show yourself an example by practicing what you preach. And as you do that, and as you continue to do that, my brother, that which you started among us 10 years ago, as it continues to grow and to develop and people observe your life, you win respect for yourself and the ministry to which God has called you. If you live what you teach. In other words, what you are in public must be what you are in private. What you are in public must be what you are in private. Practice what you preach. Beyond that, as part of living right, verse 16, maintain your priorities, right? Pay close attention to yourself and your teaching, or the old King James, to yourself and your doctrine your life and your doctrine, right? Maintain your priorities. Persevere in these things. God has made you a Bible teacher. He has made you many other things. He has gifted you. You are a very gifted young man. Bernie mentioned a number of the areas that you have been involved in the ministry here, and we have all benefited from it, to be sure. Your ability to... to diagnose and help people with their computer problems is a wonderful thing. But you know what? It is not germane to the call of God upon your life. The call of God upon your life is to be a Bible teacher. It is to live righteously and teach well. You have been spiritually gifted of the Lord, and to whom much is given, much will be required. So you need to maintain your priorities as part of the idea of living right. Your chief benefit to the body here at Foothill is as a Bible teacher. There are only a few, a handful, really, of men who are gifted teachers of the Bible. They are relatively rare in the providence of God. And it's not because of anything within them that somehow makes them this way. God made them this way. And he has equipped, and he has called, and he... And he benefits the body at large out of that reality. And Paul speaks of that in Ephesians 4, right, when he talks about the Bible teacher. Don't lose sight of this. In all of the busyness of your life and all of the various ministry opportunities that come your way, and, you know, we all know how it is. You have the, the A, B, C items on your job description, and then you have D, all other duties as directed, Right? And that's the way it is for everyone, to be sure. But, but D can never take the place of A. Okay? Don't lose sight. Maintain your priorities. Third, be absorbed in important matters. Right? Practice what you preach. Maintain your priorities. And finally, be absorbed in important things. Verse 14, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Be absorbed in important things. There are all kinds of things, but there are only a few critical things. Only a few critical things. Don't neglect the ministry to which God has called you and equipped you to pursue things that are Worthy as they may be, are of a lesser importance. Be absorbed in the important things. How will you know what the important things are? You will know by the time spent in the Word of God, alone with God, in prayer. He will lead and direct you to sort through the multitude of decisions and opportunities that will lie before you in the years to come. So live right. Teach well, Micah. Study hard. Live right. Now, what about the rest of us? Are we off the hook? Was, did you just come on Sunday morning and sit here 
and listen to one guy get hammered in an encouraging sort of way? No, you have a role to play in all of this. You have a role to play in this. Your pastors are, are men with feet of clay. They desperately need your loving care and concern for them. So there is, a, there is a congregational role to play in this. We are together in this. We are a family together. So there is a great role for us to play. We will have a direct impact on Micah's success in the gospel ministry as long as he is here at Foothill. So what role do we play? Well, let me suggest a few things. First, prayer. Pray for Micah. Pray for Micah. I know many of you do. I know you do. But it doesn't hurt me to remind you again, and it's, a good, it's good for you. Pray for Micah. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19 to the church there at Ephesus, and this is the Apostle Paul, right? This is the guy that if he pulled his robe open, there would be an S you know, emblazoned on his tunic underneath, right? The great Apostle Paul. But he says to the church at Ephesus in chapter 6 and verse 19, pray on my behalf, he says. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. In other words, Paul acutely felt his, his lack of natural ability, the, the, the fears that come upon all men to make known boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the pressure was on, Paul realized that without the prayer of God's people, he was defenseless. He was weak. He could not do it in his own flesh. And so he exhorts the church to pray for him, and I exhort us to pray for Micah. Pray for Micah that, that utterance may be given him in the opening of his mouth. In other words, when he stands up to preach, and I'm going on vacation here, by the way, in a few weeks, and Micah will fill the pulpit for me here. So you pray for him. I'm not going to tell you when I'm leaving, but, but I am leaving, okay? If I tell you when, you might not come. But I'm going to tell you that you pray for Micah. Pray for Micah that when he stands in the pulpit and he opens his mouth, that the power of the Word of God will come forth. We would all benefit from it. So pray for him. Secondly, encourage and exhort Micah to study hard and to teach well. You have a role to play in that. He is to to study hard and he is to teach well, and you need to encourage him in that. You need to, to come up to him and just ask him, Micah, how did it go in the study this week? I was praying for you. How did you do? Did you keep your fanny in the chair and stay pulled up to the desk? He uses a standing desk, but, you know, I'm saying, did you stand at your desk? Did you pour over the Word of God so you're ready to to give us something? We want to hear from Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.15 Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. Pray for Micah's diligence. Pray for Micah's diligence. Exhort him to be diligent. Encourage him to be diligent. Third, love Micah and make his ministry a joy. Love him and make his ministry a joy, and we do love him. Amen? And he knows it, he feels it, and his ministry is a joy. But continue to love him. Continue to bless him in that way, and you will be blessed as well. I'm reminded of the words of the writer, the Hebrews, in chapter 13 and verse 17, where he says to the people there, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable for you. Micah's joy is our joy. Micah's joy is our joy. So love him and make his ministry a joy. And fourth and finally, follow Micah's example 
to the extent that Micah follows Christ. Follow Micah's example to the extent that Micah is following Christ. In other words, when Paul says here, right, in verse 12, let no one look down on your youthfulness, show yourself an example of those who believe, there is a sense in which the public nature of the life of a a minister of the gospel sets them up for others to pattern their lives and to emulate and follow, and that's good. It's appropriate to the extent that they're following Christ. So there's a great responsibility for them to be following Christ, and the responsibility lies with us as to we evaluate their life and say, he's following Christ in these things, I should follow him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. There is a sense in which discipleship is an imitation process. Find someone who is pursuing Christ, diligently pursuing Christ, successfully pursuing Christ, and in that you can find something worthy to emulate. But it's not the man, it's the Spirit of God in the man that sets him apart. Well, my brother, I'm going to invite you up here Ordinarily, I'd pray, and, but I'm going to invite you up here, and, and I know that you have a few things you would like to say, and then I'll ask you if you'll close our time together in prayer. So please, come on up. And my knees are still recovering from that kneeling, the weight of the men pressing down upon me. I'm just glad it's carpeted. But no, I'm, thank you, Pastor David, for your comments and your preaching of the Word of God to me and to us. And it is the word of God that we need. It is not the word of any man, but we need to hear from the Lord. And it is from him that we receive our instruction and receive the words for our lives. And as I seek to address, just make a few comments here. The close of our service, there's three words that come to mind. And I'll address them in order. The first is grateful. Grateful. I'm grateful to God for his generosity to me in sharing his life with me through Christ and through his spirit. I'm grateful to God for his generosity in giving his truth to the church that he did not keep the revelation of himself to himself but he decided to reveal himself to us, and we get to know one so beautiful and so good as the Lord. I'm thankful and grateful for my wife, the one that God has given to me to share in the grace of life, and my companion, and my ministry would not be what it is without her, and I am very grateful for the Lord's gift in her. And I'm grateful for this church, for Foothill Bible Church, for bringing me here 10 years ago as a fresh grad out of college. And the ministry that myself and my wife have been able to have here over the past 10 years has been nothing short of a joy and a privilege, and for that we are profoundly grateful. We have been loved, been ministered to, Uh, you have laughed with us, you have cried with us, and we could not be more grateful for the body of believers that are here at Foothill Bible Church, and so we are grateful for all of you and for your love and ministry to us. So my heart is very grateful this morning. The second word that comes to mind is sobered, sobered. As you heard from the Apostle Paul through Pastor David preaching this morning and really from the Lord, is that the the calling of a pastor is a serious calling. This is not playing around with trivial things. This is dealing with serious things. Ministry is not the place for entertainers, for motivational speakers. Christ calls his ministers to be shepherds and leaders of integrity. 
and to lead the church against the powers of this present darkness. Sin is serious. Eternity is serious. The glory of Christ is serious. And so therefore, those of us in ministry must be about serious things. And so I am sobered by the task that God has called me to be about. But thirdly, the third word that comes to mind is confident. Confident. Jesus, we have the words of Jesus recorded for us in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, in the world you will have tribulation or trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. It is that truth that enables us to face a lost and dying world, a world opposed to Christ and to his church, and for us to take the gospel out into the darkness, to live in the light as God is in the light, and to know that we are not on the losing side of history, that we know the victor, and that is Jesus Christ. And therefore, we can face each day and know that we stand with Christ. We can smile upon the future because we have a victorious Savior. He is building His church. He is saving and sanctifying His people. He has defeated death and He will win in the end no matter what the pundits of today have to say. And so therefore, we can minister confidently because Christ is with us. May we all live and minister on a daily basis in whatever sphere God has placed us in with this spirit-empowered confidence that Jesus Christ is with us. And so even this week, as you head out into your different places that God has called you, may you step out with the confidence of Christ, knowing that He is the victor, that He has defeated death, and He is with His people. He is building his church. With that, let me close our time in prayer. Our Father, we come humbly before you this morning. We thank you for your word that gives us all that we need for life and godliness. That we are not left floundering in this world as to know what truth is, to know what you have ordained, to know how you want us to live. Father, we can know you because you have generously sought to reveal yourself. We thank you for the gift of yourself, that through your plan from eternity past, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, And through the work of your spirit, we are made alive. We are able to share in the life of God. To gain eternal life. A fellowship with you now that will continue on into eternity. Father, you did not have to do that. And yet you did and we praise you for it. Blessed are you, the great and awesome God, the mighty one, who has done all that is necessary to save us from our sin, save us from the bondage to that sin and from the clutches of the evil one, to give us freedom and life in Christ. Father, I pray for this church that you would continue to keep Foothill Bible Church grounded on the Bible. That the word of God would continue to be the authority as the word of the head of this church, Christ, as he speaks to us. Father, would you cause each one of us to be men and women of integrity. That we would follow after you with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, and with all of our strength. But Father, as we pray That aspiration, we sense our own weakness. We are all still sinners. 
and therefore are completely dependent upon you to bring about the growth in our hearts and in our lives. Would you cause us to submit to you and to rely upon you, not rely on our own strength, but rely upon you to produce the character of Christ in us. And Father, as we go from being the church gathered now to being the church scattered throughout the week, would you cause us to be bold ambassadors for Jesus Christ? May his word be on our tongues. May his law be upon our hearts. May you cause the word of our King to resonate within our homes, within our workplaces, within our hearts. Not so that we could gain a name for ourselves, but that Christ might be glorified. That he might receive more glory and still more glory from our mouths and from our lives. Father, this is all about the glory of your Son. We direct our gaze to him and we praise him for all that he is and all that he's done. May you bring glory to your name. It's in that name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming. You are dismissed.